Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. In your Bibles, um, phones, pads, whatever device you have. Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to look at that real quickly again. That's where we started. But before we get to Isaiah 40 on waiting... Let me just tell you a little story I discovered very early this morning, and it was one of those confessional moments I laughed out loud at myself. Because I came to 2022, boy, I was amped. The first week of December and prayer and devotion time, and you know, you have moments like this, but it's not like God comes and talks to me every day in some audible voice. I I don't claim that. But I remember it was right around the time we were getting ready to launch in to our Christmas outreach musical. And just in a moment of of real devotion and Holy Spirit impression, I felt this. Tom, declare that that, uh, 2022 uh, is going to be a a jubilee year at New Hope. And I thought, well, okay. I wonder what that means. Jubilee is something that 20 years ago or or more, I taught on at great length. um, And I'll tell you more about why. In the future, we're going to get to it. So I've been waiting every Sunday, get chomping at the bit, jubilee, fresh start, God restore, hit release, return, and restore, the three key words. And boy, am I ready to jump on release, return, and restore, and series on jubilee, just what it means and why jubilee is the highest example of that other than the cross of the New Testament, and jump into that. But here's what happened. We came to the new year, third bout with COVID. I'm out for three Sundays in a row, and I'm reminding God, I got plans, I got plans. And Lord, you spoke to me. You're the one that spoke to me about it. Now, now watch, listen. Those Red Sea moments. And, okay, wait a minute, bro. You just jumped over to the Red Sea. Yeah, Red Sea. Exodus 13, 14, 15, around there. Where they walk out, they have just been, within a month, it's been, it's been months. But it's recently released, if you will, from 400 years of captivity. And God said, the promised lands over there head that way, and they do, and they run head first into a Red Sea. What happens when you cross into a new place, let's say 2022, and you're all ready to head to the promised land of what God's spoken to you? You take a bold step forward only to confront an insurmountable barrier like the Red Sea. And so, but, but wait, <laughs> wait, but wait, God, you said this. So very early this morning, I, before the sun came up, I was telling God about that. I said, Lord, I, you know, Brother, been trying to get this message preached that I think you laid on my heart, and I, I really need to, to, to get to this message. And, 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 and so I'll, I'll write with a note I wrote to myself. I was set to start 2022 based on the proclamation of the spiritual principles born of studying the biblical concept of Jubilee, and then the third bout of COVID. I find myself waiting. I'm chomping at the bit to get 2022 off the ground and going, I feel stuck. I'm waiting. Then I respond to a song two weeks ago that Rhea had chosen, which she just sung. It's become our mantra, wait on the Lord, and lo and behold, here uh, here we are. So very early this morning, me. God, I'm chomping at the bit to start this New Year series and make this spiritual proclamation. I need to hear from you. Please speak. God responding back. I have been speaking. Wait. Me. Oh, yeah, right. So we've wandered in here for three weeks, and I blame God for hijacking my sermon, and he reminded me that I'm attempting to hijack his. Yeah, I don't know if that, what that does for you, but um, uh, let, me, let me tell you this morning, 
When, when that hit me, I went, oh my goodness, that is so cool. Because I thought what was going on was extemporaneously remedial. I'm aware that God is, right? When God is, we say God knows everything. God doesn't know. He is knowledge. You say God is timeless. Not, no, God is time. You see, he didn't, he didn't, he created time, space, and matter. He doesn't live uh, within it. He lives outside of it. We don't understand that. So this God knows everything. So, you know, I don't have to remind him, yet we do. And it's okay. Lord, so here we are. So when I got that this morning, I thought, man, there's a couple of things I said to Brenda last week I really need to go back to. So Isaiah, Isaiah 40, here's where we, here's where we started from, okay? <clears throat> Verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, this is, by the way, if you're new to, to faith or exploring scripture, either in the room or online, this is the prophet Isaiah speaking, and he's telling the nation of Israel what God is saying. So here we go. He's, he says, uh, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God? How many know that sentence wraps it all up? God, there's outcomes that I'm expecting that are going to be fair, that should be just, and they're not happening. Anybody ever had? Don't raise your hand, because we all have. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord? Uh, the, under, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary. Now, that's an important note. Everyone say weary. weary. This word is used four times in this passage, okay? Does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. That's an important note. Do you know that our weariness begins in our understanding? We think it starts in our body. But weariness begins with perception. I'm worn out. I can't. I can't pray another prayer. I can't say another word. I can't sing another song. It, we become weary in our body, but it didn't start there. We think of weariness normally in just the physical sense, and certainly that is a manifestation, but it starts in this word here, our understanding. It says that, okay? Does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the, here it goes, weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous men stumble badly, yet those who wait, here it comes, for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Waiting on the Lord, hallelujah, is the chance to expose our weariness to his absolute supply of strength, is to expose my weariness to his strength. Now, a couple of principles uh, that, that we took away from here. That waiting, watch, please watch this. Worship, listen closely, worship is the point at which uh, my sense of, uh, by the way, I didn't say this to you, I did last week or the week before, the 27th verse right there where it says, Lord, the justice that's due me escapes you. I'm stuck. I can't go forward. I can't go back. And it's that verse 27 that really lodges that word stuck. I'm stuck in this sense of unrealized promise, uh, unexpressed justice, blah, blah, blah. And it's in that moment, please hear me, worship, beloved, transforms stuck into weight and weakness into strength. That's what God's word tells us. Worship transforms stuck to weight and weakness to strength. Why is weight important? We studied that first week. Weight, it not only represents, it's translated hope, it's translated line or to like stretch a line. It's also used, the first place I ever heard this was Charles Swindoll 40 years ago on a little tape cassette tape 
uh, when we were on that little island, and there was, there was no internet, no TV, no anything, and we used to get cassette tapes and have the chance to, to, to listen to those, so I did. And he said, this word also describes the process by which a rope is made, where the tiny little strands are wrapped into the strength of that rope. And, um, and so we said that we understood that that action is I take my thread of hope and wrap it into the strength of his rope, and all of a sudden where I don't feel I can hold on or I can stand the tinsel stretching and, and lifting capacity, uh, uh, the, the lifting task of life, God says instantly, you take on my strength. So back to my point. Worship is where, we, where uh, um, stuck is transformed to weight and weakness transformed to strength. It's the only place. It's why, God, it's why the, the adversary wants you not to worship. Now, Psalm 62. Turn to Psalm 62, please. Here we go. We're going to look at five. It has 12 verses. We're going to look at five. These principles we need to take away. I am really believing that God is going to release me to teach on, to begin our Jubilee topic. Beloved, look at me. I, I, don't, I don't make proclamations like this. It's not my thing to say, okay, 2022 or 2019 or whatever, 1985 is the year of. A lot of pastors do, and they really do. For whatever reason, I'm I've reminded God, I said, I'd like for you to tell me a year of thing. I'd like to have that one time. And, um, but I feel the banner over this year is going to be Jubilee, release, return, restore. And I believe that it is going to be a preamble uh, unto revival and renewal in our church like we have not seen here. And I am believing for that. I am postured for it. Um, it's something when a hope becomes an absolute conviction. You can't talk, talk anybody out of it. And that's where I am. I'm not hoping for this to be a great year. I'm in the grip of the conviction that it absolutely is going to be by God's, by, by God's decree. And you, know, I, and you know me. If you've been with me, I, that's not my thing. But here we go, okay? Psalm 62. I love Psalm 62. My soul waits in silence for God only. From him is my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. My stronghold, watch this, I shall not be greatly shaken. How many are glad for that? So the implication is I'm going to be shaken, but I'm not going to be greatly shaken. How many are thankful you're not going to be greatly shaken? Okay. Good. It's a good place to say amen. Although you're going to find out in verse five, there's this little twist that I think is hilarious, but he goes, he only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be greatly shaken. I love that. How long will you assail a man, verse 3, that you may murder him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? Uh, now, now the, the writer of the Psalms turns towards those things and people who are attacking him. He said, they approach me and they know I can barely stand. And they've come to knock me over like a fence that's just barely teetering or tottering. And I feel like the next thing that comes at me is just absolutely going to devastate me and knock me over. Don't raise your hands. How many here have ever felt that way? How many have felt that way coming into the new year? We're not but four weeks into it. And you're waiting for that new year. And all of a sudden, your weight has become stuck. God said it's time to turn the stuck into weight and allow weight to turn your weakness into strength and a hope and an anticipation It'll change your view and change your perspective. So here we go, all right? <clears throat> Verse four, they have counseled only to thrust him down from his high position. They delight in falsehood. They bless with their mouth, but inwardly they curse. I love that he inserts selah, which is pause or exhale. Because at the end of that verse, he sort of quit whining 
at, for the moment. He said, here's the problem. Here's the people who are shaking my life, and they won't, I won't be greatly shaken. But watch the modification in verse 5. Everybody see it? My soul. You see the comma behind it? You could take the, the personal pronoun off uh, the possession, my soul. But I love it. But my soul, or soul, if I'm speaking to me, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. I love this. Wait, my soul wait in silence only, and, and for God only, my hope is from him. Wait a minute, I think there's something else I want to share there. Um, he only, yeah, he only is my rock. It's coming in a minute. <clears throat> my soul wait in silence for God only. Uh, Jose, are you here somewhere? Are you around? No? Did I preach you away? Can you roll that mirror out here? Just go ahead and roll it right, right, probably about here, I think. That'll get in this light so they can see it on camera. Turn it sideways like this. Everybody see that that's a mirror? Okay, I can't face it with that, but so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna sort of turn it at a quarter angle like this, all right? Here we go. Notice, that, everybody see verse one? Amanda, follow me there if you would, verse one. Verse one is a testimony, verse five is a confession. Confession is, say, is, is, uh, is the, from the word that means uh, to say the same thing as, as who? Put it whoever you want in the blank. Am I going to say the same thing as my feelings? Am I going to say the same thing as God's word? Because there's a difference. When it says here, my soul wait in silence for God only. My soul wait in silence for God only. Now, th these, are, these are powerful principles because he's speaking to the root of his emotions. So what's happening here? Please pay attention. The writer of the psalmist is calling on his faith to assert a status above his feelings. You see, my feelings say, oh, crud. Four years into a new year, I was wanting something fresh and new to happen, and it just doesn't seem like we can get it off the ground. I'm stuck. You're not stuck. You're waiting. There's a difference between stuck and waiting. Now, I want you to pay close attention to these, these few points and principles. But when he comes to verse 5, he commands his soul. Do you see that? My soul, wait in silence. Verse 1 is a testimony. My soul will wait in silence for you alone, you alone are my rock and my salvation, my God, my strength, my sure footing. But it becomes something different when it hits the fan. Does anybody, I know that's a tough place to say, can you say an amen? Well, I don't know that I want to say amen to that. Get over it. Listen. How many know it's a different moment when you're facing it, you're in the fight, you made the proclamation before you got there, but in the middle of the fight, here's what the psalmist says, in the middle of the fight, I realized I, I, of this spiritual warfare that I was being oppressed and that my soul was literally dictating what I would do next. My feelings were dictating what I would do next. And there came a moment when I knew that there was something I needed to do. That's where verse 5 comes up, where I step up to the mirror of God's word. And I look at myself and I say, soul, you will shut your mouth. I have been following and living by feelings and circumstances long enough. But I stand here this morning with uplifted hands calling on a source and resource that is beyond this world, beyond the scope of whatever I may be. And so my soul will wait in silence. I am tired of hearing my emotions speak, my circumstances talk, and the facts dictate what will be tomorrow. I will trust in the word of God and him alone. My soul will be silent. My ears are attuned to you. Can anybody shout amen? It will not happen. Victory will not happen until you take command of your soul. 
Notice God didn't say, stop for a minute and I'll speak to your soul. God, no, no. God's not the one talking to my emotions. He says, I know you, you speak to your emotions. You got this, you can handle it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I loved early this morning, living in the grip of complaining and whining to God. Lord, I needed this year to get off to a start. You know the plans, the things we had discussed, things on the calendar, and then I get it and staff members get it and it just seems to knock the props out from under this silly disease. I'm over this and, and all of a sudden God steps in. Say, <laughs> uh, uh. so you're gonna whine or you're gonna wait? See, the difference between whining and waiting, whining is where my feelings are informing me. Waiting is where the word of God's informing me. Beloved, we got to get that. Let me give you a couple of other things you need to get, and then we're going to worship some more. Waiting is the opportunity. Let me make sure of this. Waiting is a declaration, verse 5, born of the conviction that what is about to be is a radical departure from what has been. That's important because my feelings can only speak in the lens or context of what has been. This is important. Waiting is a declaration born of the conviction that what has, that what, excuse me, that what is about to be is a radical departure from what has been. Why? Why, 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 why? Okay? We don't think of waiting. Well, let me just go ahead and give you the next principle. Let me see if it's here. Uh, Amanda, skip this, this next one. Take that one and go on to the one about culture. We'll come back to this. In well, I already said that one. Go back. Okay, I already said it so we can review it. I want you to get a picture of it off the screen, all of you guys. Okay? Go back to the previous one, please. Waiting is the opportunity for my faith to inform my soul above my feelings. Just preach that. Just said it. Get that. Take it home. Take it home with you. Waiting is the opportunity for my faith to inform. You see, when I wait on the Lord, I will set my soul. Wait. Wait, soul, in silence. Shut your mouth. Woo, goodness. Number three, in culture, waiting is the result of what has passed. Please, you got to get this. This is a fact in time and space. Here's my past. Here's my present. There's my future. Waiting, please, and, and this is not any profound or even novel insight. We all know this. We just never think of it at this level. That if I'm stuck here, stuck, or I'm waiting, uh, my stuck is turned away, but I'm still right here. You see... We'll turn to look back and say, I'm stuck because of that. God's word said, you may be stuck because of your past, but in the kingdom economy of things, you're waiting because of your future. Watch. We've got to get that. Stuck is being informed by my past. We're, we're in the same place, but it depends on which lens we're going to look through. If I look at my past and allow my past, and so God, well, everything I did, I failed, there, I messed up there, oh, I crashed there, I did, and because of that, I'm stuck. God said, that's fine. All of that may have brought you to stuck, but if you'll bother to turn your eyes forward, I'm going to turn your stuck into wait. Because, see, we think, we think stuck and wait's the same thing. Stuck is being entirely informed by my past. Wait is an anticipation of a promise of my future. We need to get that, beloved. We need to get that because it'll shift your posture the next time you need a moment of worship by yourself or in this building, and you don't feel like it. You don't want to. I say every week that there are people that have worshiped before you ever walked in this building, before you even bothered to sing a song. There are people here who this morning, you can't talk yourself into singing a song or lifting up holy hands, and you feel guilty and beaten down about it. It's okay. We got you. 
You're part of a worshiping community where God's word tells a worshiping community. I want you to encourage one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual song. And the second thing I want to say that I've said a thousand times is that the God of the universe looked down at you this morning and saw you worship when you got out of bed. I said this last week. I must say it again. He saw you worship when you woke up and said, I'm not going to church. I don't feel like it. My feelings are informed me. But somewhere before that feeling and processing, that, that, that sense of being stuck turned into a weight and say, no, I'm going. And all of heaven rejoices. Why? You mean all of heaven rejoices because I bothered to get my sorry self out of bed? Absolutely. You decided to get up off that mat of affliction. I love that language from the, the New Testament. And rise and come to the house of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know and be affirmed that God saw you worship. You say, that's not in the Bible. It most certainly is. Watch the worship uh, with the widow coming into the temple when she gives something less than a penny. And Jesus is standing there watching everybody put stuff in and said, hold on. She gave more than everybody here. Can I just lift your spirits a little bit? You may be standing three seats away from somebody that is a worshiping fire hydrant. Don't they irritate the stuffing out of you this morning? All you could do is barely get yourself here. And their every action is an indictment against what you are not doing. And you're sitting there just beaten down. Can I just tell you this morning that you might have come in, they came in with a whole fire hydrant and you said, I don't got a fire hydrant. I don't have a fire hydrant. I got one drop and I just poured it out. You see, the good news about God is when he calls us to engage him in worship, he said, worship the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And all your strength. And I wish I wouldn't create a task for Jose or me. So I'm not going to dump out a fire hydrant. But you're standing next to a fire hydrant. And you're saying, surely, that's not worth anything in God's economy. Until you hear the echo of a Savior while he was here in the flesh. He looked at one act of worship that everybody else would say is absolutely inconsequential and meaningless. And the Savior would say, can I point out the most important person that's walked into this temple or synagogue today? There she is right there. Will you just take a minute right now, whoever you may be, and I want to tell you that the Savior from the other side of the equation, it's not my finger. This is right there. They got out of bed. They took a shower. Well, who? big deal. It's a big deal to God. They drove themselves to the building when every voice was saying, why are you going there? The last 10 or 50 or 5,000 prayers you prayed, there's no answer to. Why are you going to sing one more song? Why are you going to bother to open your mouth? Why are you going to bother to have the audacity to walk in the house of the Lord and lift up holy hands with those other people who are making transactions between earth and heaven? It's clear that they're seeing the result of that and you're not. Why don't you just let those hands fall down and give it up? But no, you came in. Why is that important? I love it when God makes one of my sermons look good because I totally did everything I just did by accident. 
Wait, 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 it's coming. Verse five. Let me just skip past this real fast. Uh, How many times? Eight times here? Eight times the word my is used in these next three verses. Verse five, Psalm 62. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. What? You see that? You see that? Verse 1, he's testifying. Verse 5, he's looking it in the face. Verse 1, he sort of preps himself for potential problems that may be laying out there on the calendar of his life. He says, Lord, oh, verse 1 is a testimony that says, my, my soul will wait in silence for God alone. He only is my rock, my strength, my refuge. My soul will not be greatly shaken. See, he's getting ready for it. You don't want to be too bold before you face the battle, right? You don't want to jump out there. You know, because as long as you're sort of cool about it, hell doesn't push back, Right? I actually had somebody say that to me on more than one occasion. Well, I, I don't want to be too aggressive, you know, because that sort of riles up principalities and powers. Pastor Don, is there anything more foolish than making a deal with a liar that you know is a liar? Jesus said in John 8, if the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. He's a murderer that takes life and doesn't give us, and yet we want to make a deal with the the biggest liar of the cosmos. Matter of fact, he's a liar. And so we're going to say, well, can can we make a a little deal? I won't be too aggressive in my my prayer and praise if he just sort of leave me alone. Can I tell you, every time you offer that deal, he'll go, absolutely. Absolutely. Just put that praise away. I'm not going to give you any more trouble. And then you show up on Monday morning. By the time you get to the work, trouble's already there. And you, what, what, what about that deal that you made? And the devil always shows up and says, I'm a liar. Come on. Mm-mm-mm. Woo. My soul waited. Oh, I know what I was doing. Hang on. Those six times. My, uh, he alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. See verse five? Verse one is a testimony. I won't be greatly shaken, but when he steps up to the battle... He steps right into the face of it and said, notice the word that's missing. He said, you're not shaking me at all. He stepped it up a notch. You see, allowing yourself some latitudes. I I won't be greatly shaken. But when the moment in the battle, see verse five, you're in the battle. He steps up and says, I'm not going to be shaken at all. Why? Because my hope doesn't come from my feelings. My hope comes from him. My actions aren't based upon my feelings. They're going to be a, st- a statement of faith above that. I love that. And then verse 8, trust in him at all times. Watch. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. This verse was not in Psalm 62 until this morning. It was not. Drew, I'd never seen it in the Bible, and I've read Psalm 62, I don't know, a hundred times. It was not in the Bible. I'm making that up. If you're new to faith, somebody's just looking and said, really? Uh, That's not, I made that up. I'm telling you, I did not. This just leaped off the page. Watch, trust in him at all times. Trust is the firm belief, dictionary definition. The firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. I've reduced it to to, to other words that a, a, a leadership guru wrote. Trust is the result of observed credibility, 
capability, and commitment. In other words, whoever it is you trust does what they say. Okay, so it says, my trust is in Lord, in him at all times. Oh, people, pour out your heart before him. I had totally forgotten about this verse, honestly, when I started doing that little illustration. But it's right there. We're going to stop. Philippians chapter 2, watch this, says the authority that Jesus received from the Father was the result of him emptying himself of everything, of equality with Father, of everything. Because God says, you bring me an empty vessel and I'll fill it up. You bring me a vessel that's full of you and my task is to work on getting you empty. Now, you can go ahead and do that yourself and I'll pick up on the part that's going to be really fun if you want or I'll show up every day and work on emptying you. Anybody ever felt like your daily meetings with God, but don't raise your hand on that one for sure, okay? Is God showing up and you say, yeah, but the moment we do that. See, the good news, the good news about those of you that walked in this morning that only had one drop left and you said, Pastor, you don't understand, I poured it out. Look at me, and I mean this with all the sincerity I can bring to bear. The good news for you is you're totally empty. That's a great moment in the presence of God. God says, because what I'm about to pour in can't be corrupted with anything foreign. It's not going to be mixed. It's going to be unadulterated and, and pure. See, now that's a moment where down in your weakness and despair, you begin to lift up holy hands and say, Ooh, Father, Father, I'm ready to receive that in Jesus' name. Now, I'm, I don't know how to do what I'm about to do. Services have been different for the last little while. We're done. I'm done preaching. Let me see if I've gotten everything done I need to say. Um, man, this, there's some really good stuff here. That uh, <laughs> I love verse 11. Once God has spoken, uh, I have heard this, the power belongs to God. (laughs) Isn't that a great place to land? The power belongs to God. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.